I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Lucy Dacus, I don't want to be funny anymore. That is the song opening our episode because today's guest on the Alton Our Stars podcast is singer-songwriter, famous Virginian Lucy Dacus. And I'm Chris Payne. I'm a staff writer with Billboard. I'm your host. Lucy and I chatted a little while back in the Billboard office about all sorts of things. Her debut album, No Burden, it's out now on Matador Record. So that's a big, established indie rock label for Dacus to start on because... She she really hasn't been doing the music thing full-time for very long, and she told me about how she got noticed so quickly and working in Virginia, being away from any really big national cities. And if you're looking for some sort of big answer to how she did it, well, there really isn't one. There's really no secret or gimmick or anything to it. Lucy is just someone who wrote and performed really great songs and got noticed. So, yes, it can be them. I think this could be a really affirming talk for anyone who's working on music themselves, and I should point out in the in the true DIY spirit, there's a little bit of background chatter, a little bit of feedback in this recording, so it's not as clean as my regular broadcasts because the equipment we normally use was out of the day or out of the office the day Lucy happened to come by. So apologies for that, but I think you should be able to enjoy it just the same. And one other bit of news I should mention: this is actually the Last episode of the Alton Our Stars podcast. Yeah. Almost two years, I'm retiring the podcast. Bittersweet. It's a, it's, it's a bit sad to move on, but the very good news is that I'm still going to be podcasting and podcasting a lot with Billboard. We're expanding our original flagship podcast, the Pop Shop podcast. We're going to have multiple episodes of that every week instead of just one, which is how it is now. And I'm going to be doing a weekly long-form interview for Pop Shop pretty much just like this podcast, but across all genres, not just the alt stuff. So subscribe right now to the Pop Shop Podcast on iTunes and make sure you get all those in the future. Uh, I'll have more on that at the end of the show, including who my first Pop Shop guest is. But that being said, I really, really don't want to take attention away from Lucy and this episode. She was a great guest. I really do think you'll enjoy what she had to say, find some of it inspirational, and really, I do think you'll be seeing 
and hearing a lot from her later on, I predict that this album will pop up on a lot of year-end lists, best-of lists around different publications. And we even talked about those in this episode and how crazy they are. So, yeah. In addition to some other news on her next album, which we talked about, she's already working on it, lots of other things. Here it is, Lucy Dacus on the Alton Art Stars. You are on tour right now, in between a couple dates, right? Yeah, we started tour like two days ago. Already feels like two months, but uh, yeah, we have five more weeks until we go home. Wow, so pretty lengthy tour. Mm-hmm. How does it already feel like two weeks or two months? We just like don't sleep that much. <laughs> like we do a lot in a day, and it's weird. Like driving kind of extends time in a weird like time warp way. Where you're like, oh, I must be like a week later in my life because I'm so far away from where I was this morning. Like we drove five to eight hours to get somewhere, but like two mornings ago we were in Richmond still. It's just weird perception of time while you're on tour. Yeah, home city, Richmond, Virginia. Mm-hmm. I know very little about Virginia. I know <laughs> actually, I know I know a decent amount, but um, so you grew up there, right? Yeah. We're all, like, from Richmond and from Virginia. Yeah, what was it like growing up there? Well, it's a really cool place that's very insular. Like, a lot of people don't know what's going on there because, like, the culture doesn't really leave Richmond the way, like, bigger cities, it kind of extends out to other places. But there are, like, just a ton of really good bands and, like, art and food and, you know, that stuff that you would want as a human being yeah so is there like you started performing there yeah I was like solo for maybe a year before getting a band and um it's all kind of moved really quick like I think some of my first shows were like not even two years ago in Richmond okay so is there some sort of a scene there yeah for sure they're like good DIY houses and venues cool is there like a specific one where you played your first couple shows or is there like a kind of a home base when you think back? Well, we did a lot of shows at Helen's, which is just like a bar where they move a table and you just get in the corner and play. And it's very like cozy and cramped. Um, nowadays, like the really good venues are probably the Broadberry, the Camel, uh, Gallery 5, Strange Matter. It's like those are the place for locals to like get up and do their do. Yeah, and I'm trying to think, because I, I know a couple bands from Virginia Beach. Is that connected scene-wise at all, or even, like, I'm not even sure geography, like, how close is that? I would be, what bands in Virginia Beach? Turnover? I, oh, okay, yeah, so Turnover. But they're, like, kind of a national actor. Yeah, so, yeah, I'm just talking someone who originated there, there. yeah. Right. Yeah, it's, like, connected, but, again, they have the same issue where their scene is super insular. Like, a lot of people haven't gotten the chance to travel, or, like, people are still kind of figuring out, like, oh, how do I book out-of-town shows? And so I've been trying to get the bands that I really love in Richmond to, like, tour more. And, uh, yeah, I, like, I loved booking when I was booking our own tours, and so it's nice now that, like, we have a booking agent now, but... um, like, there are a couple bands that I'm like, oh, I'll set you up some shows. Like, let me know when you have a free week. and Just kind of, like, pushing them, priding them a little bit. Like, come on, <laughs> get out, get out. 
yeah, like, I think people really need to be told that, like, this is worthwhile. This is worth, like, your time and other people's time. Because it's hard, like, when you have a good job. Like, in Richmond, if mm-hmm. you just have, like, a good job, of course you would just stay there because the place itself is really easy to live in and kind of stay where you are. But trying to push the little birds out of the nest. Yeah, so I guess what you're saying is you have your whole network there. Mm-hmm. And in order to sort of jump out of that, you need to take a lot of risks, and that can probably be really scary. Yeah, especially when the risk is, like, quitting your job. Right. Or um, jeopardizing the stability of your relationships with the people you love. Mm-hmm. Uh, those are two things that, why would anybody electively do that? Well, some people do, and it turns out fine. So what pushed you out of it? Um... I took, I was like in school and I was planning on taking just a semester off and we made the album during that time and I went to Europe and traveled, I went to like 15 different cities and in all of them, the main question was not like, oh, like what do you do, what's your job, it was like what do you do, what's fulfilling in your life, for some reason like everywhere I went people were trying to ask me like what makes you happy, what makes your life worthwhile, which is not like a casual question here like people in the u.s don't really just bring that up first and foremost to a stranger but like my answer started off being like film is my thing and then it was film and music and then it kind of just turned to music by the end of the two months just kind of realizing that that's what i actually like doing and you have a background in theater too right yeah okay (laughs) so like a pianist in a musical theater director and so when I was a kid I would just like sit in the rehearsals and I was in a couple shows but you have to pretend to be in theater and I'm just bad at that but still a whole spectrum of artistic mediums yeah scenes if you will Mm -hmm. theater could be a scene the theater scene it's such a scene So probably like the at least the headspace, the creativity that you use now just for music is in general something you've been working your whole life in a lot of different things. Yeah, it's like the same. The reason to create anything is the same, probably, or like the decision to share something you created is like. No matter what you're making, that's the same reasoning across the board. Yeah, and when you're stepping onto stage to perform as Lucy Dacus, it's still a persona. It might, even if there's no persona, even if it's just you, it's still, like, something that you're stepping into. Yeah. It's, uh, like, I really try to be the same person at all times. And actually, it it takes the least amount of trying to be the same person Uh at all times. So, yeah, it doesn't really feel like a persona. Um, I don't have any, like, weird gimmicks. Um, but... I do like put on lipstick for the show. That's like okay. the part, like that. That's what separates me. Is like okay, because I don't wear makeup like at all ever. I just really hate it. But I, like if I'm going on stage, then I'll kind of like ritually put on this, you know, second thing that isn't really like me. 
that's probably the closest thing to a persona that I have. And how did that routine start? Oh, my friend Alexandra Mitchell, she's like a stylist and she's one of my like true homies. And she gave me like a tube of lipstick for Christmas and she's like, wear this at shows. And I'm just like, okay, I'll just trust you. But now people like off, like on the streets, they'll be like, oh, I didn't recognize you without your lipstick. It's like such a thing now because it's like what I do whenever I'm like being air quotes Lucy Dacus. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> See, it is, is like, it's nice. sort of a, like the absence of a persona is still kind of a persona. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Because I suppose a lot of people who come to see you really only interact with you in that way as like seeing you performing and like maybe they'll see you at the merch table after or say hi mm-hmm. but for the most part they know you as Lucy Dacus performing songs with lipstick on so that's like mm-hmm. your persona right or like everyone has an idea of who you are like if they listen to your music they're like oh I feel like I know this person you don't really like I've never met these people but they do kind of know the most important things about me because mm-hmm. <laughs> if they have actually listened to the music it's like oh you know my deepest thoughts and my biggest insecurities and like the things that I'm most sensitive about and I don't know anything about you um, so I guess that's a persona it's just like being in a place where other people have to imagine who you are and them inevitably being wrong yeah, I always think that must be kind of strange, even if it's an enjoyable experience talking to fans after shows and just having a casual conversation because they'll theoretically know so much about you and to unless you know them already, they're just a person who was in that city yeah. that evening. But you have to do it. Like, I've done it where you're like, oh, this person's music means so much to me. I have to go tell them. Like, it, yeah. it, there's no question. Like, it's just part of the coding of this job. And a lot of the time, like, I really love going out and meeting people. Recently, I've lost my voice a couple times, so I don't, like, go out in the crowd afterwards because I'm mm-hmm. always, like, trying to talk to everybody. But, yeah, it's a mixed bag. Like, some people are so gracious and thoughtful and kind and cool and people that I wish I could get to know. And other people, like, come up and like take a selfie and leave like don't even address me or they'll like not even a hello just yeah they'll just like behind the back selfie yeah it's really that's happened a couple times and it's very weird some people like think they can get all up on me like kiss my cheek and like (laughs) hug me in a in a not not like i just don't like that like like specifically drunk people and like drunk dudes coming up and like talking in my ear and like go Luckily, my band is, like, really sensitive to that, and they'll come up and be like, all right, let's go over here. (laughs) (laughs) Do you have, like, a little signal? Mm, Probably just a panicked facial expression. Okay. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) Here, let's drop in some music. This is I Don't Want to Be Funny Anymore. How, how long have you been recording music? Has it been just since this album? Um, well, Jacob Blizzard, who's the guitarist, and Colin Pastor, who 
engineered, mixed, and produced the album. We've all been friends for like years and years, like all from Richmond. And so we would hang out by making recordings because Colin like went to Berkeley and like just would get new gear and want to try it out in his bedroom. And um, Jacob studied guitar at Oberlin. And so he was always trying to like do creative stuff with that. And I was always writing songs. So it was like a really cohesive way to hang out mm-hmm. <laughs> was to just like make tunes. And um, we made an EP in 2012 that was on my bandcamp. I think I took it down. Yeah, it's not as of last night. <laughs> really? I'm pretty sure. Whoa. I think the earliest thing was, was there a Prince cover? Yeah. Okay, that yeah. was the earliest thing oh, okay. that I, unless maybe I didn't scroll all the way, but I'm pretty sure yeah. that was the start. I think of it. I took it down just because, like, I went a really long time without listening to it, and then I turned it on one day. I was like, oh my god, this is like uh-huh. so not, this is getting giving people the wrong impression of what they're going to see, basically, because it was just me, solo, songs that I didn't intend actually for people to hear, um, just like super personal, uh, I don't know, things that aren't relevant to my life anymore, mm-hmm. and so maybe they would be relevant, I'm still making this decision, like, is it worth it to share it, even though it doesn't mean what it did to me, because it might mean something to someone else, so like, maybe they'll come back at some point, but it is much different. Well, you recorded the album really quickly, right? Yeah, like, I think 20 hours. Okay. And this was because you had one one section of hours in the studio reserved for you, and you basically had to get it all through. Yeah, we had one day. um, Colin was working at Starstruck Studios in Nashville. He was like, hey, there's no one on the schedule. Do you guys want to come up and make an album on this one day? (laughs) And so, yeah, we did, like, all of the basic tracking. And then we did... The next day, I did, like, harmonies, and we did guitar overdubs somewhere else, but that's pretty much it. Yeah, from pulling it together so quickly, do you listen to the album now and think, like, oh, if I did this now, I would do it a little bit better? Yeah, because yeah. none of those songs, I mean, we wrote, I was solo until the week before we recorded, and we wrote all of the drum parts, all the bass parts, all the extra guitar parts in four practices before mm-hmm. the album. None of the songs have been played live. Like, I didn't really even know some of the people in our band (laughs) other than Jacob. They're really cool and now they're friends, but um, yeah, it is so weird to think that none of those have been played live and we play them a little differently, some of them, like we, the live version is an improved version. So I always hope that people like are open to that when they come to our shows, like don't expect the verbatim recording because we all like what we play live more than the recording Mm. yeah I was thinking like map on the wall because it's such a long song and it builds up and kind of ebbs and flows so much that must have been challenging right to do on the spot so quickly I think that song was like without a click like a first take live (laughs) recording um and then like editing afterwards but yeah, that one specifically, we're like, this is kind of a monster, like, how are we going to do this? We were like, oh, let's just play it through, and then it sounded fine. <laughs> so it actually didn't take that long to record. Yeah, is it at all, like, nerve-wracking to basically have time ticking away and know you have to get through these songs? I think it would have been if we knew how many people would listen to this album, 
but there was no pressure because okay. there was no expectation for this album at all. Like we didn't even realize that there would be a physical release of it. Like we thought we would put it digitally up on Bandcamp for free, but then, you know, we showed it. We showed mixes to our friends. They're like, you should really try to send this to labels or um, do whatever it is that other people do. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I'm glad we took a little more time with it in the release part. We didn't have much time to record, but we did take our time trying to figure out how do people actually do this, like make records and get them heard. So you started at square one and started getting the attention of labels, sending emails, talking to people you knew maybe. Well, I didn't actually get to the point where I sent it to any label. We played um, an album release show for a Richmond label band, Manatree, who they've played with us on and off like uh, the bassist and guitarist went on tour with us in March and April. Um, but they've got their own new album coming out, which is really awesome. But that's Egg Hunt Records, who originally put out the album. And the guy, Adam Hensroth, who runs it, was like, hey, take my card. Let me know if you guys have an album you know, in the works. And I was like, funny you should say, because we just finished one like a week ago. <laughs> and uh, it was just like perfect timing, basically. And it was cool to work with somebody from Richmond. Mm-hmm. like is just really kind of zealous about the music there so that was how you synced up with egg hunt mm-hmm. and got them to put out the album first how did matador find out about you um i'm not sure how they found the music i guess at that point we had had like a couple singles released they might have even reached out like a, after the album had come out in february but i got an email to just my personal email being like, hi, this is Matador Records. We should talk about your album. And I was like, sure, <laughs> that would be great. And I mean, just kind of flipped out because I've been aware of that label forever and aware of those bands. And all of them, like, have such good taste at that label. Like, the, their roster is like maybe the highest percentage of bands that I like in any like labels roster so yeah it's just kind of like still doesn't feel real to be included in that stacked roster yeah (laughs) do you like on a small level do you know how they actually found you or who it was or what got you in their year i think gerard um came to a show of ours we were opening for julian baker in dc and um he i think that's where he saw us first and um yeah that was a crazy night too because that's when Bob Boylan saw us and nobody really knew who we were or expected for you know the opener to be any good also for there to be a full band opening for a quiet little lady um is not very typical it was an atypical evening Hmm. um but that has always like (laughs) It seems like that's the crux of a lot of really amazing stuff for us was that day in January in D.C. Yeah, because I'm thinking about how Car Seat Headrest got signed, how Will got signed. He's also been on this podcast recently and oh, we talked cool. to, talked about this. Another Virginia dude. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, a little trend there. But it was an intern at Matador who was like a super fan who tips them off, who had listened to like his many albums on Bandcamp over the years. Yeah. That's cool. He seems like such a like quiet dude. Like we're going on tour with them, 
and I really want to like talk to him about his album. I think we probably will. But yeah, another Matador artist who has just put out like an amazing album. Like another reason why they're to- totally killing it right now. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com/upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com/people today. Yeah. So a lot of times when you'll be playing a show or on tour with someone, you'll want to talk to them like deeper about their music and it's like, "Hmm, how do we get to this place?" Yeah, like the problem with we've been doing a couple of support shows with like we just did some dates with the Decemberist, which was amazing. Um we went on a longer tour with Houndmouth, we did some shows with Lord Huron and Daughter. And the problem with that like those bands have buses, and so the format of our days are different. Like yeah. we drive in the morning, show up, they're sound checking, then we sound check, then we have to eat dinner, then we have to play our set, then they have to play their set, and then we have to drive to our shelter for the evening. So it's like we communicate in the couple of minutes between huh. those just things. walking on stage and while one's going off yeah. and while one's going on like the most that I talked to Colin Malloy was when he was on stage and I was like backstage watching and he's like I just want to thank Lucy Dacus for playing like that was really cool and like just had a little bit of a back and forth like during his set so that's that's like how infrequently we sometimes get to see the bands that we play with but that's just cuz like bus life is completely different than van life. Like they drive overnight and they have their beds and air conditioning and um seems pretty luxurious. Bus life. Yeah. Yeah, you'd almost have to Skype with the band who's headlining <laughs> in order to actually get some time with them on tour. Right. But what did you speak to Colin about? Oh, well, it is basically just him thanking me in front of the crowd and it was at an outdoor amphitheater in Grand Rapids and so people could see me on stage and then once people knew where we were like they kept bringing us drinks and stuff but um I got to talk to one of their backup singers Nora is like really close with my uncle um cuz some of them live in Chicago so we did get to talk a little bit and Jenny from the Decemberists was like super sweet to us mm-hmm. um yeah It's like I always wish in those situations that we could have more time like getting to know the bands but just the nature of the beast I guess. Yeah, let's drop in some more music. We talked about Map on a Wall. Here's the long one from the album. A little bit of it. Here it is. Good comes from good 
You mentioned the lists, like Time Magazine. What is it like being on those? Because I saw you like sharing them on social media and getting all amped. It must be like really strange, awesome, but like weird being yeah. thrown on lists like next to like Beyonce's Lemonade. Yeah. When I saw that, I was like alone and I found out about it from like a stranger on Twitter tagging me in it. And I was like, hmm, this can't be time, like actual time. This must be someone's blog or like <laughs> uh, some account that is not a legitimate uh, thing. But it totally was, it was the actual thing. Um, I think the reason why people respond well to like quantifiable uh, thumbs ups like that is that it mimics academia. And so we're all like from an early age told like A, B, C, D, la di da, that is a reflection of what, how successful you are. And so everyone's still seeking that basically through adult life to have like a quantifiable way to say like, I'm smart or I'm good at what I do or like I'm being acknowledged in this numerical way. And I don't know if that's the best mentality, but it is kind of, at least for me, a way to share to the people back home, like, this is really crazy. <laughs> like, mm -hmm. um, it's like sharing things like that is maybe one of the only ways that I can get people on my level of disbelief, like living this weird new job and this weird new life is pretty unbelievable to me and I can describe it to people but they don't have like much of a context for how this feels so they have a context for numerical success and they have a context for best of and uh, superlatives so that's like been actually a helpful communication tool for me to be like look like it is this crazy like this is how crazy it feels yeah like being oh i'm number nine on this list of top 20 albums i don't remember what it was but yeah and i'm next to this rihanna album yeah and this kanye album yeah and this radiohead album so it's like quantify yeah because also i've heard musicians talk about just how stupid it is to have music reviewed with like oh b minus yeah it is pretty dumb but like all of it is dumb, you know? It's it's, it's, it's good like, that you recognize that. Yeah, it's it's dumb, but it's really, like, uh, it's kind of fun, at least. Like, it, it's fun for... Um, okay, so basically, I would be totally, totally fine if we were not being counted in all of those things. Like I said, the expectations for this album were so low. The problem is when you think you deserve the number one, or you deserve the top five. Like, that sense of entitlement based off of your work is, like, super dangerous. And luckily, we're not at the point where any of us feel that way. We, we're still like, what the heck is happening? Everything that happens to us doesn't make any sense, and we don't deserve it. But when, I guess, you've been working for years and years, you kind of, you you want those signs for yourself, maybe. Like, I've talked to some bands who, like, really, really feel like they're getting screwed over when they aren't. Um, included in those lists they're like oh, really it's better than this like and I'm like yeah I agree like your album is better than this and there are tons of bands like I can think of local bands that their album should be just if we're thinking qualitatively be on those lists but you know they're not famous they're not part of the the political game yet game or gain so yeah it's not like 
I, I, I don't feel like good or bad about it. Yeah, and you know, this is coming from someone who contributes to lists like this. It is such a ridiculous thing to get caught up in because it's so random and just so up to the whims of, you know, maybe the five to ten people on an editorial staff somewhere at whatever outlet who just, you know, that day were told to come up with their top albums so far that year mm -hmm. and pitch them in whatever time they had for this list. Yeah. And then some editor might just come in and shift things around or bump things out. It's it's utter randomness. Right. I think getting on the list, that definitely is a positive thing. That's like, wow, this is good. Mm -hmm. But aside from, from that, like specific ranking or just not being on it, that is yeah. nothing to get worked up about. Yeah. And like, you have to be thankful too, because it's another way that people are finding out about your work. And so if you're on it at all, that's just another chance for people to figure out that you exist. <laughs> like, that's really the best thing about it, is that it puts into a list that people will maybe listen to all of them. Like, if they're really into it, they'll be like, okay, I heard these albums, I'll listen to the ones that I didn't hear yet to see if I agree with everyone's ranking. And so anything that, like, if you really do believe in your work, doesn't matter where it is on the list, like you said, you just have to be thankful that it's being looked at and, like, these avenues are, like, pointing at you and saying, like, go listen to this person. I don't know, maybe I'm being redundant, but uh, it's just the most important thing is to get in front of people's eyes and ears if you really do care about what you work on. Like, I'm not, I just have four that I know are the best to me. And then four is not around, like, 10 or 50 or 25. But, like, we basically listened to four albums in the van punctuated by other stuff. Do you want to share them? Sure. <laughs> um, Big Thief's Masterpiece is the best album of this year. Um, Andy Schaff's The Party is so, so good. Both of those records must be listened to while reading the lyrics, I would say. Um, I don't know if you've heard either of them. No, I haven't. Oh my god. So like, like if, if you were writing like the blurb, you could give it to me like verbally in your oh own way, god. like what is good about them? Um, okay, so the, the other two are Town to Get Down, Stay Downs, A Man Alive, and Car Seat Headrest, mm -hmm. Teens of Denial. What they all have in common is that they are all uh, like so asking for thought like their content is so good like all mm -hmm. of the lyrics all the concepts in these albums are so good but like also all the production on them are like they're just really well made albums like the songs are well constructed for big thief it's like just heartbreaking um just such like feels good music the party is sort of like a concept album um but like so communicative in a simple way like that's I'm so into that when people can just say what you've always thought but never been able to say mm -hmm. or just like give words to the things that you've never had words for um 
yeah, those are definitely just my top four so far this year. Yeah, you mentioned really liking the production there. What what production do you like? Um, I think production that mimics content. So, like, I write lyrics before anything, like, before I pick up a guitar. Like, I've written the lyrics and the melody for the whole song. And then I'll figure out the chords on the guitar, and then I'll show it to the band, and we'll kind of arrange it together. Um, and so, when we're writing, we try to listen to the content of the song and pick sounds that like mimic the meaning, like punctuation basically. Mm-hmm. And so when you hear it like in a song like Real Love by Big Thief, it's like um, over the course of the song, it's more frustrating. Like the more you find out about this person's relationship, like the guitars mimic that by getting more distorted, crazier okay. parts. Um, yeah oh my goodness that's me kind of just reading into it Mm -hmm. but that is at least obviously what's so good about it to me um this next album i think i'll have a way bigger hand in production like i we went into the studio and i had never been in a studio before and i didn't know anything about technical stuff in recording um and now i'm like already thinking about production stuff like as i'm writing and so I feel like I'll have a more hands-on uh, role next time. Yeah, so how much do you have done? Where are you at? Pretty much so much. <laughs> <laughs> pretty much so much. Pretty much so much. It, like, the other day, I wrote down all the lyrics to all the songs I've written since the last album, and basically ten of them lined up in a certain sequence is a cohesive arc, like, basically one meaning. And I kind of flipped out, like, we have to do it that way now. Um, And I don't want to speak too soon, because anything could change, but um, I don't know. We're really eager to play songs that mean something to us now. Like, all of that content is more relevant to me now than the stuff on No Burden. So no new songs live yet? Well, we do, we usually open with, I open with a solo song that is new. We close with a song every time that's new. Okay, so those are bold places to put new songs. (laughs) And then the middle we do uh, this one other new song, which is just obviously the best one. Like, people after the show are usually like, that was obviously the best one. We're like, I know, we need to make a recording. We need to record this. (laughs) People will, like, message me on Facebook, like, what was that one song with this one line and the loud part? And I'm like... Yeah, I know. I can't really talk about it yet. I'm sorry, but <laughs> I'm glad that you like it. And like Matador re-released the album a couple months ago. Mm-hmm. So you're basically still sort of promoting that, I guess you'd call it an album cycle. Mm-hmm. While you're writing music right now, you're like, this is so much better. Yeah. It's like, we don't dislike the songs on the old album. Like, we still have the funnest time playing them, but... Yeah, like, the vinyl's not even done. Like, the vinyl's coming out September 9th. And so we're, like, basically doing pre-orders again. Like, doing shows and being like, go pre-order the album, which we already did once. Um, And so, yeah, it does feel like an extended album cycle for us than maybe other album cycles, because we are having to do that whole, like, lead-up process twice. But it's all for good. Like, I'm really stoked that we're going to have more vinyl. Yeah, new album deserves to be top five. (laughs) 
no exceptions. <laughs> Every year end list. <laughs> I do not expect that. <laughs> yeah, man. <laughs> those lists are... It's, it's so interesting talking to musicians about how they perceive those lists. Because you're on the other side. Yeah, and I just think in so, in so many ways they're so weird. But there's there's such an important thing, and still I get a lot, a lot of enjoyment out of them. Mm-hmm. And, and sometimes they'll just become such a part of my reality in work that I expect them, and I'll just talk about them, forgetting about how weird they are. Yeah. And kind of get, like, numbed to it. Yeah. I mean, things are only as weird as you feel them to be. Like, if that is your regular life, then... Like, we played at Terminal 5, and it wasn't weird because we had done all these shows with Houndmouth at these huge venues. Mm-hmm. But if someone was like, you're going to play Terminal 5 after all your like tiny club shows, that would be weird. So it's like kind of the frog and boiling water effect where mm-hmm. you said you started off writing for free, just like listening to a bunch of music and you probably got like a job here, a job there, and now you're doing it every year and like your input is uh, like a very important piece of it. So maybe... Like, when you were doing it for free, you'd be like, oh, you're going to, like, work on all these lists and be a part of this weird, like, cultural phenomenon. Probably be like, what? But maybe it's not so weird. So we talked about the new song. Before I forget, do you have a name for it? Can we identify it in Ooh. some way? Um, the name for it right now is Time Fighter, which was a joke. It's a working it title. Stuck. Yeah, it's a little too Power Rangers for me, but it's like we've said it so many times now as a joke that it would be weird to call it something else. But it might be called something else. I mean, not all the decisions have been made yet. Um, the last song we played every show is called Pillar of Truth, and there's a video of that like on Interview Magazine, but it's nowhere else. It's like not on YouTube. Um, I don't think anyone really saw it, which is cool because it's new, and it's better to keep that stuff on the hush-hush. But... Uh, yeah, I, I'm like stopping myself and just going into all of them. So, yeah. Yeah, what else? So you've got a big tour coming up. Anything else you're excited for? Well, we're going to the West Coast, which I have not done ever as a person or a musician. Um, well, I went to L.A. last month with my mom and my brother, but L.A. is weird. I don't know what I think about it. New York is weird, too. I'm not, like, a big city person. Everything's moving really fast. Everything is, like, flashing at me, and it's all expensive. I bought a $10 juice yesterday, which... Oh, that's a good deal. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay, because I don't know. I don't... I'm, like, not in this in this world here. Um, but, yeah, I just, like, went up to the register, and he's like, $10? And I, like, thought I misheard him. But... Yeah, it'll be cool to see, like, Seattle and Portland and San Fran and San Diego and, um, yeah, going to Austin again when it's not South by Southwest. Okay. <laughs> Which I hear is, like, a completely different city um, when it's not South by. <laughs> but, yeah, just, like, seeing really cool places with the people that I think are coolest. Like, my band, they're really amazing people, and um, we're bringing some friends in the van with us for a portion of it. We're playing with Julian Baker again in Portland, which mm-hmm. will be cool to see her because um, we've kind of like struck up a friendship, but we both tour at the same time, mm-hmm. or we tour at opposite times, and so like we never really line up to get to hang out. So it'll be nice to reconnect. Yeah, lots of expensive juices out there. <sighs> 
just like eat some fruit. There's juice in there. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, that that's it. Thanks so much for coming by. Awesome. Thanks, Chris. So, goodbye from Lucy Dacus. All those songs you heard during the episode are off for a new album, No Burden. It's out now on Matador. Check it out. That's it. That's the show. Literally, that's the show. It's the final episode of the Alt in Our Stars. Maybe you just tuned in for the Lucy Dacus interview. Maybe you've been listening for a while. Either way, I thank you really so much for checking these out. This show has been a pleasure to do. I think I've gotten a lot better at doing it, at podcasting over the years. It's been almost two, two years since I started this show for Billboard.com. And as I said, I'm not done with podcasting, not even close. I'm moving on to be one of the hosts of the Pop Shop podcast. So subscribe to that right away. It's much more popular than the Alton R. Stars podcast. So you should have no trouble finding it on iTunes. What I myself will be specifically doing every Thursday on Pop Shop, I'm going to be premiering a new episode called a headliner interview where I'll be interviewing someone interesting in the world of music, just like this show basically, across all different genres. And the first episode, keeping it familiar with the alt theme, it's Jimmy Eat World, famed rock and roll bands who have a new album coming out. And it's running soon, so very soon actually. It's uh, this week, Thursday, October 6th. You can check out my first interview with Jimmy Eat World. Maybe it's already up by the time you're listening to this. If so, right after this podcast ends, which is in two seconds, you know what to do. So go check that out. My first interview on the Pop Shop podcast. Go subscribe. Interviews, new episode runs every Thursday. So yeah, signing off for the Alton R Stars. Thanks for everybody and everything. Take care, guys. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.